1: Welcome to the 5 o'clock show. It's time for common sense. Now, it's Cats and Cosby with John Ketsamattidis and Rita Cosby, standing for truth, justice, and the American way, bringing common sense to the world. Now, here's John Ketsamattidis and Rita Cosby.
2: Well, it's Monday and uh, we got one great show for you today. I mean, I don't know what else could happen. Other than what happened last week. And uh it's, it's so many things happening in the studio with us. We got uh, Craig Eaton and we have Congressman King, Rita Cosby on my side here. And what the heck is going on? Well, By the first way, off, you had a busy happy day. birthday today. Oh, yes. Happy birthday. Where is it? Yeah, we need that because. Well, you know whose birthday it is today? Superman, right? Someone Superman, near and dear to Christopher our Reeves. Let's have a little segment. My God, how can you guys miss that?
3: Well, you know what it is, John? It's our favorite mantra, truth, justice, and, and the American, American way. Life. September 25th is Christopher Reeves' birthday. Yeah, and what an amazing man, by the way, he was, and certainly our role now, model Now, is he here. related to George Reeves? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think
4: he's related. No. I
3: don't think they're no. related whatsoever. Two Reeves? No.
2: We uh, 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 started
3: that now. Yeah, wow. no. two Reeves. Right. Planet Krypton.
4: They were both from the same planet, but I don't think they were related. John.
3: By the no. way, speaking of related, <laughs> I just learned something new about Craig Eden today. That you are related to one of the most beautiful women in the world.
4: Yes, my grandmother is cousins with Sophia Loren. Um, oh,
2: tell us Ro- this morning we reported
4: mm-hmm. she was in the hospital. Can you give us an update on that? Uh, I don't have any update, but I know she was suffering from a fall she had in her home. Um, I haven't seen anything out there, and she hasn't called me personally to tell me.
3: No, uh, yes, but you but met her. Report. You there met
4: was
2: her. She felt. I emailed you the report from the hospital. It says, you get it?
4: according to an official Facebook account, thankfully everything worked out for the best, and she'll be back with us very soon.
5: Craig, what did you say when you
4: met her? Um, well, I met her in, at the St. George Theater. There was a meet and greet, and I, I, I paid extra to meet her at the end. And I went over to her and I said, my grandmother is your cousin, Mary Ciccolone. And she said to me, Ciccolone, which Ciccolone. is exactly what my grandmother – you know, most people don't think I'm Italian. They think I'm Irish, but I'm three-quarters Italian and a quarter English.
3: Well, no, so, so I have a question that yes. probably every guy out there listening is wondering, and every gal, is she as beautiful as she looks to she, be?
4: You know – I saw her like four years ago, and she was in her mid-80s. Absolutely beautiful.
3: Yeah, stunning. Absolutely yeah, stunning. She
4: was, she's
2: 89 yeah. right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. truly so one of the 85. most beautiful yeah, women in the world right, by far. All right, let's
3: go. Right now, is uh, Senator Torricelli on? Yes, he is. Uh, Rita, why don't you bring back Senator Torricelli? All right, we have here on the Rita Cosby Show, as this big news happened, of course, about Robert Menendez, who just did a press conference a couple hours ago saying He's not resigning. Uh, Joining us now is the former senator and former congressman from New Jersey, Robert Torricelli. Uh, Senator, great to have you on. Uh, Your thoughts, by the way, on this big news of what's happened to Senator Menendez.
6: Well, first, Rita, nice to be with you. And, John, nice to hear your voice again. Hope you're well. Uh, Everything's great. Um, Well, you know, this has been coming for a while. We, We all knew there was an investigation. And we knew Senator Menendez's proclivity to have these kinds of difficulties. But the scale and the sweep of this, it's really hard to put in any kind of a context. It it is not too much to say that in the 250-year history of the United States Congress, there has never been a criminal indictment of a member of Congress of this scale. The amount of money, the depth. Well, the amount of money is
2: about $400,000. Is that what it is?
6: Well, there's $500,000 in cash that was taken from his home, and then there were the gold bars and then a variety of other items. But the money is is one thing. I think what has taken people back more was the the idea that is charged that he also uh, helped a foreign government, in this case Egypt, Yeah, but I understand the interest of the United
2: States. I read the indictment, and in the indictment, it said it wasn't uh, confidential information. Maybe it was just a negotiation.
6: No, it said it was not classified information. It was was confidential information, but not classified. Uh, John, a member of the United States Congress should not be passing information of any kind to a foreign government, particularly for compensation. Yeah, The information was about the staffing of the U.S. embassy, that there is some reason for that to remain quiet. Uh, also in the indictment is the claim that he wrote a ghost letter to his colleagues in the Senate uh, on behalf of the Egyptian government. I, I know there are probably a lot of people at home who are thinking, well, these things happen, or this is the Congress and they're all bad and it's all terrible. This does not happen. I was, I've been watching for 30 years and the Congress for 20, no Democrat, no Republican that I ever served with would have engaged in this kind of behavior or anything close to it.
3: Let me ask you, though, um, Senator, because what he said today, just in fairness to, um, of course, Senator Menendez, he came out today and said he's old fashioned, that that this was cash that he was collecting because his family's from Cuba and he always wanted to kind of have cash on hand because they had to like suddenly scurry out of the country could could and 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 his first case had a hung jury actually in his favor. It was ten to two. But he, 10, mar- he married one of the jurors, right? And, and well, and, and is that true? He married one of the jurors. Yes. So so okay. So the juror, all right, who's now he's married to, and apparently the wife was friends with all these Egyptians, and he's got Abby Lowell. That's the other interesting angle here. Abby Lowell, who's the attorney for Hunter Biden, is now Menendez's attorney again. He was the attorney on the first case. Could he say, look, these are gifts from friends, everybody in Congress does it? That was sort of the defense the first go-round.
6: Look, everybody in Congress doesn't do it. I went through a federal investigation and had to establish every dollar that came into my life and and did and had a letter of exoneration. Every member of Congress does not engage in that kind of behavior. But you do the math. You have $187,000 salary. How much do you have to withdraw every year from an ATM and put aside to have five hundred thousand dollars in cash, and, and and that's what was was left. I have no idea how much was actually withdrawn. That's a that's a lot of ATM visits for, uh, for an awful lot of years. It strains credibility. Uh, but the indictment also claims that on some of this cash there was DNA from one of the other co-conspirators uh, who was indicted in the case. I think. Um, give him credit if that's that's his defense but I, I think that's going to be pretty hard to stand up
2: yeah well, yeah thank you senator torricelli and uh thank you for coming on we tried to get senator menendez on i texted him and uh i guess he's not coming on
3: yeah we're trying because he was talking today it'll be interesting to see I what he has to you. say thank you, thank senator. you senator thank, thank you Turicelli.
2: thank you and guys uh we got uh, john samuelson coming on, at, coming on in a few minutes, in a few yeah. minutes. Uh, should we take an early break
4: well, I just wanted to mention one go thing ahead, about, about, about uh, what Torricelli said. You know, he mentioned, I mean, look, the senator is innocent till proven guilty. So let the, let the system play out. Let him defend himself. And then we see where we go. I mean, everyone's throwing everything at him right now. From what I've seen, it's not a lot of money that he took $100,000 in gold and some other stuff. As far as the, the Egypt, he was no, it's, with, I mean,
2: it's, it's, it's not it, a little, it, but I mean,
4: it, it's a lot of
2: money, but it depends. If somebody, if you had a wedding. And somebody gives you a one, one ounce piece of gold, which is worth $2,000. Is that inappropriate?
5: You know, also, uh, the fact is that the uh, even the Wall Street Journal said that even if all these allegations are true, it may not be a crime unless they can tie yeah, it yeah. to an actual government act that he performed. Which yeah. is
3: why I brought up that it could be favors from the wife. They're saying, you know, the other thing, John, I want to repeat, too, what you brought I'm up said, last I'm week.
5: A, a problem, something that uh, Craig said before. It's wrong that he did it. I think the question is yep. whether or not it's a crime. Yep. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And
3: the other issue is, John, you brought up also the point, too, that this could be, look, He's been very much a thorn in the side of the Biden administration. There's no question. He's been slamming them on Cuba. He's been slamming them on the Iran deal, which we all feel is a bad deal. Uh, the $6 billion suddenly going to Iran. I mean, it, it, the timing's kind of interesting, John, and, and it, it could be an interesting case. What do you make of, of the fact, Pete, that Abby Lowell, who's the attorney for Hunter Biden... Yeah. It, no, it's just interesting that he's back on the case Maybe again. he has to make a deal with the with, with the president himself. Uh, by the way,
5: I was wondering
3: <laughs> that, John. You know, you know me. A little too close hey, for you know comfort. Me. A little too close That's for comfort. That's what but... I'm thinking. Oh, so on the other hand,
5: Abby Lowell is really an excellent lawyer. I'll give him yeah. that. I mean, yeah. a
3: great attorney yeah. he was 1, also 000- involved
5: in bill clinton's case originally back in 1998 yep he was the attorney for bob Menendez the first time around and now for hunter so biden it's the same so. attorney he used last time
3: exactly yeah. and and, and it he worked. got off yeah. by the way the hung jury as i brought up it was a 10 to 2 in favor of him last time the hung jury and so the judge
5: then dismissed most of the remaining charges let's and then take
3: a break
2: right now and we're going to come back with uh uh john samuelson who's
4: a uh, Greg craig which would you, uh, describe them Thirty years, New York subway track worker was the president of the local TWU, and now he is the president, of, and, the international president of the transport workers union. And he union. is mad as heck on yeah. his congestion pricing. Yeah. We, we had him on a few weeks ago, and it was early on, but now he's come right out and he's angry about what's happening. And wow. I wonder
2: if he's going to give us a comment on the UAW strike because I got my own opinions. He's yeah. yeah. really yeah. a great well, labor leader. Let's let's take that break and we'll come back with John Samuelson, and uh, we'll see what he has.
1: A Common Sense Recap of the Day's Biggest Stories. It's John Katz and Rita Cosby. Cats and Cosby on 77 WABC.
3: And we are back here on Cats and Cosby. Everybody talking about congestion pricing. And joining us now is the international president of the Transit Workers Union. He became the international president on May 1, 2017. He's also the former president of the TWO Local One Hundred in New York City, uh which is the union's largest local. Uh Craig Eaton, uh bring in John Samuelson, please.
4: John, welcome back to WABC and Cats and Cosby. How are you tonight? I'm very good, very good. Thank you for having me. Not a problem. So what's going on right now? What are you hearing? What are you saying? What's what's happening with congestion pricing in New York City?
7: Well, the process to get to uh, central business district tolling is, is rolling out. And the, the point that I've been making since day one is that whether, they, you know, there are folks that disagree with congestion pricing. I agree with the concept of congestion pricing. I agree with the pursuit of reducing congestion and, and greening New York City by reducing the amount of um, vehicle uh, commuters coming into Manhattan. Uh, but it doesn't make sense at all. Unless, along with the tolling, there is an effort to lure drivers out of their cars by dramatically improving uh, transit service, and none of that is happening. No, there is no targeted service improvements that is designed to law current um, vehicular commuters out of their cars, such as uh, increases in express buses from the fringes of the outer boroughs, where a lot of drivers come from, uh, a reduction perhaps in the fare on express buses. Uh, any Anything along those lines. All, all of the service uh, increases that have happened at the MTA right now are a result of post-COVID ridership trends. It, it has nothing to do with any analysis of congestion pricing and what it'll take to get drivers to change their behavior and jump onto public transit.
4: You know what, John? I mean, we need to incentivize people to come back into the office. You know, I mean, post-COVID, the office buildings here are empty. We need to bring people back, and charging people to come into New York City is wrong. It's gonna, it's gonna turn them away from coming back to the offices. Mm-hmm. Agreed.
7: Agreed. Well, I don't agree with that. I, I don't necessarily agree with that. I, I believe that if we put an incredibly robust public transit system in place, that that would greatly incentivize folks to come into the city from the outer boroughs in particular right now, it's not such a pleasure coming into the city. That's why a lot of folks jump into their cars and drive into the city. If we dramatically increased the product that we're delivering on the public transit side of the house, folks would be Lord. They would be incentivized, as you say, to jump onto public transit and come in.
2: John, uh, John Katsumatidis here. What was the maximum amount of readers uh, uh, of, uh, a ridership that we had last week, the MTA advertised 4.1 million and they didn't say if it was 4.1 million riders or 4.1 million paying riders. Yeah. The, the, well, that's,
7: that's an issue, right? If the, if the, <laughs> the fare box has been an issue and certainly uh fair evasion is a major issue and, and, and who's paying and not paying is an issue. And, and it's a way certainly to, Plug the revenue gaps that they have. But even if we plug the revenue gaps that they have. What was the high point? The, I'm not sure what the high point was.
2: Understood. Okay. And, and you know what I've said publicly? I said, look, you, you want to put. We have one nail in the coffin because Manhattan is dead. The stores are, 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 are for rent. Rite Aid is closing up uh... uh all, all their stores. CBS has announced that they're closing 400 stores. I mean, uh, can't we wait till Manhattan makes a comeback before we put the second nail in the coffin? Yeah, but you're you're viewing it in a in a
7: completely opposite way of of perhaps millions of New Yorkers, where in making public transit a, a beautiful incentivized uh, system to take
2: is a, is a way to law people. Well, law and, do and order. Things. Do we have law and order? And you you represent the transit union. Do you feel safe in the, in the subways if we have law and order? Well, law and order is an issue, so law and order is part of what would be required
7: to greatly incentivize New Yorkers to come back in. And and certainly, you know, the, we need a safe, reliable, efficient transit system. And look, you know, I, I don't. I think that everything, everything everybody wants to be accomplished can be accomplished here.
2: Are you supporting but, AOC? She wants to cut the number of cops in the uh, subway system.
7: <laughs> look, whether I support AOC is, is irrelevant. The AOC has nothing to do with the issue at hand. It's, it just has safety. nothing to do... I don't support a reduction of the police in the subway system. Absolutely not. The and I'm, and I'm certainly not looking to be argumentative about everything. No, no, John, I,
2: we want, I, we want, I, we want we you want to express your We want you to express your opinion. We want, that, yeah. your, opinion. We want sure. your opinion. And See, and safety to me, I, I don't want my kids in the, in the subways right now.
7: Should, so the implementation of congestion pricing should not be about generation of revenue. It should be about the re, the reduction of congestion. It should be about... The greening of New York City, it should not just be about the raising of revenue, and it's become pretty evident when you don't want to put out, when the NCA and Jan Oliva himself does not want to put out service that's targeted to incentivize out of borough commuters and commuters all over the place, whether it's in the suburbs of New York or New Jersey or even Connecticut, to incentivize them to get onto um, public transit rather than to drive then it has to be about revenue generation because otherwise that new service would have become a focal point of the congestion pricing plan. And it's not. So we've got a minute
4: left.
2: UAW. <laughs> what do you, what you, what do you say about what's going on? UAW. I think it's a right to
7: strike. And I think that it's an example of an industry that's been bailed out by the federal government and the, the workers have seen no benefit from the bailout at all. It was a tremendous bailout in 2008. The federal government should have, uh, Put safeguards into that bailout to ensure that workers were treated um, well, admirably. Instead, the executives glommed up all of the gain when the industry rebounded. And I and this is a moment where the workers now are, are standing up and demanding that they actually um, gain part of the profit back that's uh, been, been now, ever do, since do, the rebound do, from the disaster. I, I, of 2008. Do you
2: realize, as a member of the union's, Uh, that uh, if the government is trying to force electric vehicles and when they force the electric vehicles, the workforce will go down 30, 40% more.
7: Yeah. Well, that's another question. So, so the issue of the electrification of the fleets um, of of fleets, I mean, it's, it's tied into the electrification, the the electrification of buildings in New York city. I mean, everything has to be phased in. It has to be certainly a just transition for workers everywhere. Things, Things cannot be forced. Things have to be well thought out. And when things aren't well thought out, um, disaster happens for workers. And uh,
2: But t- tied into this
7: strike. This All right, we got some breaking breakers
2: news. What do you have breaking news?
1: Breaking News, WABC.
2: Just announced a few minutes ago, Ford has suddenly paused a massive electric vehicle battery project that uh, Republicans were, are probing over the, the Chinese Communist
4: Party ties. Oh, my God. Okay, well, go on, Craig. John, is John still with us? John? Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. yeah. Dude, you know what, John? Um, I agree with what you say, and, and but I agree with what John Katz has to say. I mean, I think, I think if it's meant to bring people back to the city and use the subways, I agree with that. The problem is I think a lot of people are afraid of the subways right now, and my biggest concern is now that the mayor said – he, he's not going to allow migrants to stay in shelters that long. A lot of these migrants are going to wind up in the subway system like the homeless are there now. Okay.
2: we got a serious uh, thing. Okay. Uh, uh, ladies calling in okay. about the whales right, right now. John, and, thank uh, you. you. know, I love our whales, and they're killing our whales.
4: John, thank you so
2: much. Thank you so much, John Samuelson, and keep fighting for your people. Appreciate it. Thanks. Thank you. Take care, buddy. Let's go to the lady with the whales. What's killing our whales? I've been concerned about it for at least a year where all in the last 12 months on the uh uh New Jersey coast, the uh, Long Island coast, 71 dead whales. And some organizations tell me that there're not that many whales left. With us today uh is Lisa Linos and she's with the Wind Action Group and she is co-founder of Save Right Whales. Lisa uh, welcome to uh, the Cats and Cosby Show. Tell me, t- tell me about yourself. Tell me about what's
8: going on.
9: Thanks so much for having me. Well, the, the issue with the whales is a big deal. Uh, my, I have been involved in looking at large-scale uh, wind energy and impacts of those large turbines for nearly 20 years at this point. But over the last year, I've been really involved with the offshore wind development and watching what's happening there. And this spike in whale deaths that have occurred really beginning in December and, and, you know, almost weekly we're having dead whales. Uh, I'm myself and others started to investigate what is going on. And what we found is very surprising. First, I'll tell you that the federal government is absolutely committed to the idea that the whale deaths have nothing to do with offshore wind development and the, and the pre-construction activities that are happening. Lisa, in the, the federal ocean.
2: government, the federal government doesn't
9: lie, do they? <laughs> I'm well, shocked, you know, I'd like to think otherwise. How was it in, the, in the Casablanca
2: truth. movie? I'm shocked! Shocked! There's gambling in this place.
9: <laughs> Tell me, it's very dis- It's very disturbing. Uh, when you get such adamant responses back from the federal government where they will not even investigate what is happening here, when the obvious large change in the environment right now for these whales happens to be offshore wind development on a scale that, where we're seeing the industrialization of our ocean that we have never seen before, and it's happening right now.
10: Now, somebody told me
2: last week uh, when uh, another group that was looking into it that uh, there's only three hundred and seventy of these whales left is that, is it possible it's that that low
9: yeah actually for the for the North Atlantic right whale, there are less than three hundred and fifty whales on the planet today, and so and fewer than hundred female reproduct reproduc reproducing females right now, so they are on a path to extinction, and the very place that they're building these wind turbines right now is right where. They have a critical habitat where in the particularly southern Massachusetts and the ocean waters just south of New England, it's been um, found to be the only winter foraging habitat left. Now,
2: what did you find out? You found out that uh, it's the uh, sonar? Do well, you tell us? I'm not going to tell you. You tell us.
9: Yeah, so – we started our investigation, we, we wanted to find out, first of all, is the the number of whales that are dying, is this new? And what we did was we looked back to 2012, 13, 14, 15 through to today, and we looked at boat traffic and activity within the areas where uh, the whales were dying. And what we found was a very tight correlation between whales dying and Wind energy development in the form of the sonar, the the sonar activity that's happening, which means that the boats are going out there. The wind industry is putting out boats in these areas that have been leased for wind energy development and they are um, firing up high-powered sonar. It creates a loud blast that reflects off the seabed and at some point it penetrates below the seabed and brings back, uh, reflections, and that tells them what the seabed is comprised of, what the soil conditions were are, what kind of, how rocky it is, how sandy it is, and that's all a precursor to being able to build on that land. And we found that in every case where the whales were dying, both spatially, as in the location, and temporally, as in around the same time, there was high activity in the wind lease areas. And that started us looking more closely to find out, what's is, is it the sonar? Is it the, is it the extra boat activity that's happening within these wind lease areas? And, and we're finding Lisa, now, I believe it's the sonar. Uh,
2: Lisa, we have a few uh, about 30 seconds, 40 seconds left. What do you want to tell people? I Lisa, you know what I tell people? If this was absolutely necessary because our people, our civilization is going to die... That uh, uh, we don't have these windmills, I can, you know, we we could find a solution, but these windmills only add a little bit of uh, of uh, energy, and it, it's not worth chump changing a little bit of energy they're adding. I mean, what do you say?
9: If you it, Well, let's see what the federal government says, and let's see what the wind industry itself is saying. We're being told that we need to, to industrialize our oceans with these massive turbines, take out habitat, which, which is critically important to these whales, all in the name of solving the climate change problem. Their own documentation state that these wind turbines are going to have no effect on climate change. We are Absolutely. building these turbines because the states have imposed very rigid, climate change for policies, and they want to meet those policies. That's where we're at, and no one is paying attention to what's happening to the whales. The public Lisa, needs to understand we're being lied to.
2: Thank you. Lisa Knowles, uh, Lisa uh, 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 thank yeah. you very much. I'm going to give, after we hang up, I'm going to give you my cell number, and you stay in touch with us, and we love those whales, and we want them to, to uh, you know, live and live long and prosper. Thank you so much. Thank
3: you. Isn't that a? It wasn't that a, a Star Trek "Live Long and Prosper." Long that live was and a good answer. Poster. We're
2: not going to wait for Captain Kirk to bring the wheels back from the twenty fourth century. Absolutely. Let's take a break, and when we come back, we're coming back with New Gingrich.
1: You're commuting home with Katz and Cosby. Now here's John Katzamantides and Rita Cosby on seventy seven WABC.
3: And we are back here on Cats and Cosby. Joining us is the great former Speaker of the House, Newt Gingrich. And Newt, did you see this poll where Trump edges out Biden by 9%? Everybody's talking about an ABC who put it out said, oh, it's an outlier. They, they couldn't even say, oh, maybe it's a bona fide poll. It was their poll.
8: Well, I just did a, an article at Gingrich 360 making the point that if you look at the abc poll and then nbc the same day came out with a poll that showed they were tied at 46 46 but the interesting thing is that underneath it both abc and nbc indicate that democrats really want an alternative uh to joe biden uh i mean on a scale i don't think i've ever seen that when asked whether you'd like to have a challenger 59 percent of the democrats told nbc they wanted a challenger only 36 opposed in the abc poll <clears throat> it was 62 to 23 would like a candidate other than biden now if so someone let, let's let's split the difference and say it's 60 or 61 if you have 60 percent of your own party wishing they had a different candidate you have a problem
3: yeah, you definitely, you know, um, Newt, what about also the debate? Because the debate, the second one is going to be on, um, Wednesday on Fox business. And I heard that Gavin Newsom, of course, the governor of California. Did you hear this? He's going to be attending. He wants to be there to kind of keep an eye on things waiting in the wings. Is he, is he the sort of, uh, anointed backup or what do you think that's about?
8: Well, I think he has a challenge because the anointed backup. Uh, it is and has to be uh, the vice president. Uh, I, I don't see any way they get around uh, her becoming the nominee if uh, if Biden, for some reason, wasn't going to be. And I think any effort to block her would lead to basically a rebellion among black political leaders. So and they have a big problem because she's, she's even more unpopular than uh, Biden is, but You know, I also looked, uh, there were some numbers that came out today in Lunchtime Politics. If you look at the last three polls, Donald Trump is at 57% for the nomination. DeSantis is at 14. Now, that means that Trump is 43 points ahead of the closest person. Nikki Haley's at five, and Vivek Ramaswamy's at five in this particular poll, and so is Mike Pence. But what strikes me is, I I think, and I wrote a little piece about this also at English three sixty. I think that this is the last really great opportunity that somebody has to try to emerge as an alternative candidate. I mean, DeSantis has decayed so much uh, since he first announced. This is, despite raising huge amounts of money, despite being the governor of our third biggest state, um you know, he just... No, he, I think...
2: Uh, he hasn't been able to do it. I, I think uh, Glenn Youngkin is a phenomenal candidate. He's uh, smart as heck. I haven't met a guy smarter than him uh, lately other than Bill Clinton. <coughs> the fact is I don't think he'll run against uh, uh, Donald Trump.
8: No, I, I doubt it. I mean, first of all, he's very deeply engaged <laughs> in trying to win the legislature in Virginia, which has an off-year election this year, and... If he does win that election, he's got a lot to tell the Republican Party around the country about how to win. But I suspect uh, his best strategy would be to focus on Virginia, win the election, and then if Trump wants him to, to be the national campaign chairman for Trump, uh, spend the next year gathering up IOUs and making friends. And in 2028, uh, be the front runner. I think Republican he'll be the Democrats.
2: front runner in 2028. Yeah, you know. I do too. Yeah. Newt Gingrich, I mean, I, thank you, thank you thank for you. coming on. Thank you for uh, for telling the American people you and Bill Clinton were the best, bringing down the uh, the uh, deficit from five and a half trillion down to five. Could you imagine if the deficit is only five trillion right now?
3: Yeah, and work together. That was a great message too, of working together right. too, Newt. It, it is. It is possible to get things done. Yes.
2: Yeah, no, thank thank you. you. We love and, you. And uh, let's thank bring you. back Ed Romain, who's running for Suffolk County uh, executive. executive. And uh, Peter King, you want to bring him in? Yeah. And I'm, I understand he is mad as heck about a few things.
5: Ed, first of all, Ed Romain is a great guy. You can't find more honest person in politics or government or anywhere than Ed Romain. And he's very strong as far as the uh, migrants coming in. Also very strong being against woke and taking down statues of uh, heroes like Christopher Columbus. Ed, great job you on.
0: Hey, thank you, Peter.
5: Hello, John. How are you?
2: I am good. Rita says hello, too. Greg says hello. Hi, Ed. And and tell us, what are you going to do? They're going to try to knock down George Washington statues. You got room in Suffolk County for them?
0: And, And Columbus. Absolutely. George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, Christopher Columbus. You don't want those statues? These are the people that made our history. These are the people... Whether Whatever your opinion is today, they lived 200, in Columbus's case, 520 years ago. They did great things in their life. No person is perfect. We all have flaws, but you know what? I understand they want to their take down... Their contribution.
2: They wanted to go to Las Vegas and Atlantic City and take down Caesar's statue.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, let me tell you, these are the people that don't understand history.
5: And hey, what's happening with the migrants?
0: The migrants, we're not going to allow Suffolk County to be a sanctuary county. There is no way. We see what it's doing to the cities. Open borders, the open borders policy of our president is really hurting our country. That's where drugs are coming in, human trafficking, and so many people that we don't have the ability to deal with all these people in a humane and compassionate way. We should not be allowing people into our country that are unvetted. We want to see... You know, are they bringing drugs? Are they doing human trafficking? Are they smuggling? Or do we have the ability to care for them? We can't take more people than we have the ability to care for. The mayor is finding that message uh, a compelling one because now he's saying, who's going to help me?
3: You know, um, stepping
0: to the plate. You
3: know, and what about also, what do you make of Governor Hochul who came out today and she said – that uh, they're going to have the National Guard, they're going to deploy its 150 additional National Guard, which I think is a good thing. Uh, but it's just for processing. I thought, oh, maybe they're going to send them for uh, you know border protection. It's for processing. I, I mean, where do you see the end game on all of this, Ed Romaine?
0: The end game is that we need a president that is going to defend our borders, the president that's going to make sure that anyone coming into our country is vetted, and we check. The end game is ending the fentanyl and drugs that are coming into the country. The end game is ending the human trafficking that's happening at the borders.
2: Well, you're running for uh, county executive in Suffolk County. Uh, we need common sense. Uh, I hope uh, people vote for you because you need common sense in Suffolk County. Don't you agree, uh,
5: Peter King? John, I do. You couldn't find a better candidate than Ed Romaine. He's going to be a gift to Suffolk County. He's done a great job in Brookhaven, he's been a great public servant his entire career. I'm proud to call him a friend, and I'll be even more proud to just call him Mr. County Executive in January.
3: And I'm going to visit the statues in Suffolk County <laughs> when they go there, guys. <laughs> Thank you so much. Absolutely.
0: And one of the great things Thanks. is that John is is a summer resident, and we don't forget. I'm that, a and we appreciate resident, His presence.
2: So, summer or winter, I'm a, so, a weekend resident.
0: Weekend resident, yes. Thank you. And we love the fact that you live out here. It's a great place. And the city used to be a great place, but it's losing its greatness quickly. Unfortunately,
3: we got to get it
2: back. We got to get it back. There's 51 out of 51 city council seats due in six weeks. We'll mm-hmm. see what happens. Thank you so much, Ed. Good luck, Ed. Okay, let's go. Our next guest, we, we have Bert Flickinger. Bert. We, we love. got. We got. Rite Aid is going bankrupt. They're closing a bunch of stores. CVS now. CVS is closing a bunch of stores. Bert Flickinger, you're the expert in the consumers. What the heck is going on?
10: John and Rita, it's a combination of crime. It's a combination of Wall Street private equity screw-ups. It's a combination of management, uh, crime, and embezzling assets. And even that said, it's one of the most vener- venerable companies in America, founded by the Grass family in 62, same year as Walmart, Target, Kmart, Twenty years later, it was the third largest chain in America, and it got saved by uh, uh, Bob Miller and Mary Sammons the first time, saved by Kevin Mann intramurally the second time, saved by Albertson Cerberus uh, the third time. Uh, They were too dumb to accept the deal. Uh, The private equity owners of Rite Aid got saved by COVID uh, the last time and then they still didn't sell off all the assets and sold the stores, the most valuable ones in the Sun Belt, California, Nevada, Idaho, and stayed with the stores in the Rust Belt with high crime and they didn't have money to hire German Shepherds with military veterans to guard the high crime stores like CVS and Macy's. CVS and Macy's win, CVS will be the net consolidator and big gainer and Rite Aid customers, employees, vendors, Uh, and everybody in Rite Aid communities will be uh, long-term losers, no fault of their own.
3: Yeah, you're right. Uh, We're the the losers. You're right. And and those communities don't any longer have a service. I mean, a a drugstore is such a pivotal. Craig Eaton, you have a question for Bert.
4: You know, isn't it a matter of oversaturation in some areas as well? Like I live in Bay Ridge in Brooklyn, and we have two Rite Aids, two Walgreens, a CVS, and then all these small mom-and-pop pharmacies within like a 20-block radius. I mean, there's oversaturation in some of these communities in Brooklyn and Staten Island.
10: Craig, oversaturation. But one thing the Federal Trade Commission hasn't looked at it enough is Rite Aid was the first to become a substitute supermarket and sub- a substitute market store and for all the neighborhoods. And then when CVS, Target, Walgreens stopped selling uh, tobacco, de-emphasized uh, beer and alcohol, uh, right, Aid became the number one beer seller in its eastern markets. Number one tobacco seller in the eastern markets. Not saying it's good, uh, but also the substitute supermarket, and uh, they could have been stable, uh, but through bad executive search work, the, uh, some of the oversaturation in their best markets you referenced, Craig, and then um, management mistakes in Syriatum with intramural and extramural crime not taking place as a company now, but in its recent history, it did. And, uh, and then turning down the Alversons buyout, Craig, the stock's down 90 almost 99 percent this year that's a a 34 percent today up one penny a share in the aftermarket Um,
3: and Bert I want to talk with you also about prices because um you know it is still socking every time you go to the grocery store or you go to the gas station uh prices where are we at now and do you see any end in sight uh I keep hearing Bidenomics is great uh but it's not great it doesn't seem for our pocketbooks
10: Rita, that's why you're multi uh, Emmy award winner uh, for investigative journalism and broadcast news reporting because you're completely correct.
3: Bert, Bert, Grace, by the way, I'm going to hire you as my agent. First off, but but <laughs> yeah, but go ahead.
10: <laughs> uh, but uh, but uh, you and John are a terrific team with Margot and uh, Katzen, uh, Cosby and. Uh, prices, to your point, Rita, up over 20% stacked in the last two and a half years. And as John correctly points out, with his uh, present view of purchasing and not having the pulse of the consumer, when the prices go up at Nabisco on Oreo cookies, they never go down. So they were $2.50 two two and a half years ago, and now they're $7 today. And even though uh, the crop years have seen declines in raw commodity And raw materials, uh, the brand manufacturers still keep price gouging, and that's something the Federal Trade Commission should look at. And I I, uh, applaud Lena Kahn, the FTC chair, for investigating Amazon for predatory pricing and anti-competitive practices. Just wondering where the prior FTC chairs have been with Walmart the last 25 years. That's the Greek-Socratic question for the world today. And in the...
2: Uh, Bert Flickinger, uh, how many CVSs are closing and have they announced the closing, uh, which ones are closing yet?
10: John, they haven't announced all the CVSs that are closing, but it's at least 500, probably 700. Walgreens could close 7 to 900. Uh, So to Craig's point, which is so important, we're going from an oversaturation of drug stores uh, to an underpopulation of drug stores, which will really penalize the elderly across the country and especially in markets where there isn't good public. Absolutely. Bert, last question.
2: Uh, the the mayor of Chicago says they're going to open up their own Chicago stores uh, for groceries because everybody else has left. Yeah, the government I mean, runs. When, 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 <laughs> when the criminals walk in and steal all the groceries is, 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 is from, the, from the city of uh, Chicago, uh, will they do anything or just let
10: them take it? John, uh, it's a noble uh, offer, but it's not going to happen. We've studied Chicago for the two largest labor unions, USCW 881 and 1546. And is the city going to be unionized? Yeah, and and the, John, the USCW lost over 14,000 members in Chicago because of crimes and store closings already. And unless uh, they go into overtime making the John Catzartini's autograph, Rocky Calavito Bats, uh, the city of Chicago is not going to be able to uh, keep the stores as safe as the shoppers, workers and vendors want. Yeah,
3: it's a mess. And by the way, remember the mayor there, remember what they said, the mobs of teens? And he said, no, 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 it's don't call them mobs. He didn't go after the crime. He went after the Samantha. It's crazy what's going Chicago's on. Chicago's going downhill. All right. Thank you, Bert Flickinger. We'll catch up with you again real soon. We we'll miss
2: you at breakfast on Saturday. God
10: bless everybody on on Yom Kippur and every every day of the year. You guys are leading us the right way. Complete common sense. Thank, thank you, Bert. Thank
2: you so much. And right now, let's take a break. And when we come back, the common sense senator, Alphonse D'Amato. Get ready. <laughs>
5: It's a
1: common sense recap of the big stories. It's Katz and Cosby on 77 WABC.
3: And we are back here on Cats and Cosby. Well, joining us now is the great senior senator, former one from New York, but once a senator, always a senator. We love him. One of the great politicians ever, Senator Al D'Amato. Uh, senator, um, I understand you're mad as heck about all the migrant situation and you're not going to take it anymore. I'm as mad as hell and I'm not going to take this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Fill us uh, in, Senator.
11: Uh, <laughs> well, let me tell you this: it is an absolute disgrace. I mean, I know old Joe uh, for over forty years. the best man well, at your wedding? Well, he wasn't the best man, but he was at the wedding. He was at the courthouse dedication. That's even when I was out of the Senate. What the heck is wrong with his brain? I, I mean. And and I don't think he's running the country. I think the left wing advisors that he has are are running it. And and if he can't wake up and secure the border for this country, uh, he is letting the country become destroyed. Our cities—it's not just New York; it's Chicago, it's Detroit, it's every major city in this country—is being destroyed. Incredible. And they're taking, uh, uh, we're taking criminals in here. We have drugs pouring in here. For God's sake, secure the border. And I'm going to start a petition starting tomorrow. And I'm going to reach out to congressmen. And by the way, cut the damn government down until they secure the border. Make this country safe, you bunch of jackasses. Republicans, stand up. Democrats, stand up for the country, for your people and the people of the United States. If you don't join in petitioning to secure the border, then you deserve what you get. And that's going to be the
3: destruction of your communities. How do you really jobs. feel? Well, <laughs> I'm not I mean, sure. I'm not sure how he feels on this, you know. Yeah. Well, Senator, why why are not
2: people, well, right now, you, you believe the poll that came out. Uh, fifty-two, forty-two, Donald Trump to, to Biden. Uh, tr- the Democrats are trying to discount that poll. How do you feel about it? Do you think the f- uh, people are finally mad as heck about this? People are
11: beginning to wake up, notwithstanding that there is an intense dislike against Trump who is carrying on like a jackass after the election and for January 6th. But they're beginning to say, I hey, guess what? He's better than the guy we have in there. He's a destruction. And you've got Democrats and liberals who are beginning to cross that line, notwithstanding that the media, they've been terrible. How the hell can they be quiet and allow what's taking place in this country as a result of millions of unvetted people, unvetted, coming into this country as a result of tens of thousands of criminals? coming into this country as a result of the drugs pouring into this country, killing our kids, poisoning our people.
3: This is a goddamn disgrace. You know, um, tomorrow- Senator, you know, Senator, you know, what's, uh, what's interesting, too, is in the last, like, few days, and I know you saw this, the president decided with a sweep of a pen, okay, we're going to make half a million people temporarily legal status the venezuelans how is that how is that a, a disincentivizing illegal immigration it's not it's saying come on in That's and giving right a work course. permit
11: you you got it you got it and, and and how is that helping our country and by the way the congress the republicans for god's sakes don't you see what's taking place you're worried about the budget They get the budget you can, you can correct that, but you can't correct the situation with tens of thousands of people every week, 100,000 plus in some cases coming into this country unvetted. You can't change that. It's about time we stood up, all Americans. Now, I spoke to Congressman Anthony D'Esposito. De I've known him since he's a little kid. He grew up in Island Park, which is the community I grew up in. He's going to take to the floor tomorrow, and he's going to speak to this issue and hopefully bring together people that will see to it that the border is secured. And I want to tell you, I wouldn't give a damn if, if we don't uh, uh, pass a resolution continuing the government. Close it down. You're screwing the country anyway by allowing people to pour in here, criminals to pour in here, drugs to pour in here. You're absolutely destroying America, you bunch of jackasses. And for Republicans to sit idly by and not do anything, offer these resolutions. Offer them. Let the Democrats defeat them. Stand up and fight for America. Fight for our country. What the hell are we saying?
4: Craig Eaton has a question. I have one thing I want to say. Al D'Amato for U.S. Senate. That's what I want to say. Al D'Amato. No. Come back. So,
2: listen, Come back. You, you have you, the strength. You have, you have the, uh, you know, you, hey, you you, you can beat Gildebrand just because you supported her at that time. It uh, doesn't mean anything.
11: Let, let me say this to you. Um, this goes beyond uh, uh, Democrats. The Republicans aren't doing what they should be doing to fight to secure the you, border. You are
4: right. You I are agree.
11: Right. Both sides need to have the be crunch. bringing it out. And we should go after every person who fails to vote on on, on securing the border, Democrat or Republican. That's what we should do. And that's why I hope Anthony D'Esposito puts forth a resolution or a proposition to secure the border. And if if you don't vote for it, we should should push against it. And I'm going to start an action. To secure a petition and try to get as many as a million signatures to secure the border. And that's what we have to do. Well, and if we have to march on Washington, march on Washington. I agree. Something that's and good. Uh, Congressman Not King just agrees. The UAW
2: strike,
5: Congressman?
11: But a strike for America to protect
5: us. And yeah, we certainly need fighters like Al D'Amato. We certainly yes, do. Yes, we do.
2: Yeah, we do. Thank wow. you, Alphonse D'Amato, the, one of the greatest senators we ever had. And you know what today is? Today is Christopher Reeve's birthday. Where's that Superman music? Yeah, where's the super?
3: There it is.
2: Today's his birthday, September. Uh, what is today? September twenty yeah, fifth. It is. It
3: is. And it would be, it would have been his seventy first birthday. Yeah, I, and Christopher Reeves. what a great guy. And he what? Died, is he, though. And what? And also, by the way, I want to also make sure that we also give everybody a happy fast. Um, thoughts, of course, on this holiest day, Yom Kippur, of course, and they everybody. have an
2: easy fast. I think that's the new
3: terminology in the new world. Yep, so important in, to in our great audience. In the new great world of
2: terminology.
3: Absolutely. And what do we stand for, by the way, on Christopher Reeve's birthday? Truth, Truth, Truth justice, justice, and the, and the American way. Right. Right. God bless America.
8: God bless America.